John 8, 31 through 38 today. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Thank you, Linda. Good morning. You guys may be seated. I was like the power of the preacher. Like if I wanted to, you'd be standing for an hour straight, but you may be seated. Uh, Serena, thank you for leading us in worship. Serena are kind of like the bench squad this morning. Uh, Chris is normally our pastor. Joe leads worship, uh, but we're the bench squad, right? We got this. Uh, I am one of the leaders here at King's Cross Church. Chris calls me his best friend. Um, I've known him for a long time. He is a, a dear friend, a best friend of mine. We were each other's best men at each other's weddings. Um, but more importantly, God has called us, uh, called me to be a part of the team um, that came alongside Chris and planted this church. We've been a church plant for about two years now. The beautiful woman outside checking in, the kids is taken. She's mine. That's my bride. Her name is Kelly. There's a handful of you that I haven't met yet. Um, I see you. Uh, come and say hi to me afterwards. I would love to meet you. Um, so it's good to be here. This morning's passage is about freedom, and freedom is esteemed in America. Like, we love freedom. Americans are always talking about freedom, freedom of press, freedom of speech, the freedom to make your own choices, the freedom of expression, free tacos. Like, we love all things that are free. But if you've ever stopped and think, or I should say, have you ever stopped and considered what does it mean to have or to be free. Like what, what is freedom? We talk about it all the time. We esteem it. Our, our, our army, by the grace of God, and thankfully uh, goes to war for us for, so that we can keep it. So what is it? I watched this National Geographic video online, and they went around to 22 different countries. And they asked 22 different people in 22 different countries what freedom means to them. And uh, the answers varied. Uh, one guy, my favorite one, that guy in Serbia says that freedom means he'd be allowed to run around the streets naked. A girl in Italy says that freedom is liberating herself from other people's expectations. A young boy, 15 years old, maybe in Hong Kong, said that freedom is doing what your heart wants. And a girl in France answered that freedom is the ability to express yourself through thought and action. So all 22 of these answers, if you can summarize them down into one sentence, one myth, and myths can be true myths or they can be false, false myths. If there was one myth that you can summarize them all, you would say this, according to the National Geographic video, freedom is having no master. 
And today we're going to read and study God's word and understand what Jesus means when he says, if the son sets you free, is free and you are free indeed. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, <clears throat> God, I, I pray that you would clear my mind, uh, give my throat strength to preach your word, Lord. I've studied these passages and I believe that they have life-changing, soul-nourishing truth. And I also know with an absolute certainty that I am unable to change souls here today. So move me aside, Lord. Soften our hearts and open our eyes and help us know, experientially know what it's like to have the freedom that your son, Jesus Christ, is offering. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am sick, so forgive me. This is going to be my sneeze zone right around here. Uh, I am. <laughs> my wife likes to say this is my sexy voice. So you're welcome, honey. The people in John have a love-hate relationship with Jesus. Jesus is having a conversation with religious individuals here in John, and they have a love-hate relationship with him. On one hand, in the book of John, he will, he will do a sign or a miracle like turning water into wine at a wedding, and everybody loves him. And the next minute, he'll say something that frustrates everybody. And in the passage we're reading, even though he's offering them freedom, he's actually offending them. Because when he says who the sun sets free is free indeed, ultimately, like he's also implying that these people are slaves. That they're not yet free. Read it again. If you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The implication, of course, is that they're not currently free. And I don't care who you are. If someone accuses you of not being a free person, that could be offensive. And they are offended. Like, look at their response. They're like, Psh, that's my part. It's not actually in there. But I'm saying, Psh, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And that's kind of a weird brag. Like, we're offspring of Abraham. Like, if I'm playing basketball and someone's like, you suck, I'm not like, my grandma's Ernestina Padilla, fool. That's my nana. Like, that's just a weird thing to say. So we have to understand context. Like, why is it that they're bragging about being descendants of Abraham? And in order to do that, we have to remember who Abraham is in the Old Testament. Abraham is a very important figure, not only in Judaism, but also in Christianity and in Islam. And that is because Jesus, God went to Abraham and made a covenant, a promise to him. He promised to him that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky, and then eventually they would come to rule over God's promised land. And in that promised land, God would have a temple where he would dwell. So these are the people that Jesus is talking to. And right now, they have that promised land. And they have a doped, pimped out temple. Like it is full of gold. It's got the spinners and everything on it. So they have the family name. They have the real estate. And they've got the dope temple. And Jesus is telling them, you're not free. 
And I want you to hear it in the way that, that we would hear it like as an Americans. Like if someone said to you, what if you're not actually free? You'd be like, man, I'm an American. I do whatever I want whenever I want. I am a free person. I don't want us to respond to Jesus' calling on our lives in the same way that these people just called, responded to his call. And Jesus recognizes like their... their they're, the fact that they're Abraham's descendants. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I get it. You are Abraham's descendants. You are in the promised land. But you're still not free. And that brings me to my first point. You and I have been told that freedom is doing what we want to do. But Jesus teaches that freedom is doing what we were meant to do. You see, everybody at all times is serving someone or something. Bob Dylan got it in the 70s when he said, everybody's got to serve somebody. The sheik, the businessman, the president, the stay-at-home mom, everybody's got to serve somebody. And the reason why is because we were made to worship. And worship is simply valuing or treasuring something above everything else. And every single one of us, whether, whether consciously or subconsciously, has a priority list. Like we have things that are important to us and whatever is at the top of our priority list, whether we intentionally put it there or not, that is our master. That is the thing that dictates our life, that dictates our happiness, our reactions, our actions, everything. David Foster Wallace said it like this, there's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. So if it's true that everybody is worshiping something, that we all have a master, what is our masters? What is the thing that controls us? It could be your power, your reputation, your comfort, and if you're saying to yourself right now, like, no, not me. I, I truly serve no master. I am my own boss. I answer to my own self. And maybe your independence and your ego is your master. Or maybe your own passions and desires are your master, which are very dangerous things to serve because your independence and ego will eventually leave you alone. And your passions are incredibly inconsistent. Like think about how hard it is to truly just simply follow your passions and desires. Like on one hand, I am passionate about being healthy. But on the other hand, I am extremely passionate about breakfast burritos. Like my passions are always in conflict with each other. Or to take it a little bit deeper, imagine a, a, you know, a married couple for 20 years and they're passionate about having a healthy, sustaining marriage. But one of those people, let's call it the husband, eventually meets a girl and she respects him and focuses on him and pays extra attention to him and suddenly makes him feel alive and important. Should he follow his passions with this other person? Because that's often, if you've ever spoken to somebody that's in the midst of cheating on their spouse, that's what they'll say. Like, man, she makes me feel something. I have a passion and a desire for that person. You see, following our passions can lead to destruction. Following our independence could lead us to loneliness. 
The myth in the video that I watch is that freedom is having no master, but Jesus says that freedom is having the right master. It's worshiping the right Lord. And only when you worship Jesus, and this is like the summary of the sermon in one sentence, only when you worship Jesus as your Lord will you experience true spiritual freedom. And that is because, verse 34, serving anything but God will lead us to destruction. Let's read verse 34 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Why is that? Here's why. Because what you worship will ultimately control you. Do you worship power? Then nothing will stop you from getting it and keeping it. Do you worship your reputation? Then you will eventually crumble over the heavy weight of maintaining it. And that's an interesting one because like, think about our reputation. Think about the idea of wanting other people to respect us or like us or think that like our lives are well put together or be impressed with us. Like we put on this facade because our reputation is so important to us because connection with other people is valuable. But ultimately that facade will prevent you from ever truly being known or loved. Like you're stuck, you're in prison behind your desire to maintain a reputation and no one will ever know your true struggles. No one will ever be able to serve you and pray for you and care for you because you're stuck behind your God, your master of reputation. Which is again a sad irony that like the master would make you feel isolated and alone. Sin is a slave driver. And the truth is, serving any other master will eventually take our whole lives over. It makes you less human. And what I mean by that is it moves you further away from who God is and his desire for your life. And sin will break you away from community, away from joy, away from peace, away from freedom. The enslaving, reigning power of sin will control you, disrupt your relations, relationships, and eventually destroy you. I want you to see here that Jesus isn't taking, like he's warning towards sin is not taking the moral high ground. You see, often when religious people talk about sin, it's like, man, like we know how to live. We're like morally right people. And if you just lived our way, then our country would move a lot better. That is not what the message Jesus is giving us in John 8 here. His, his warning towards sin is a pleading for your freedom and for your joy. He's trying to open our eyes and help us recognize that we are enslaved to something that's going to destroy us. And he wants something more for our lives. It reminds me a lot of what it looks like uh, to, to be a drug addict. And many of you know this. Uh, my mom's given me permission to talk about it. Thankfully, she's sober now. But my, uh, my entire life, my mom was addicted to alcohol and eventually hard drugs. And it is hard to be a teenage boy and to watch how drugs will physically just deteriorate and destroy your own mother. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Indiana Jones, and I think it's The Last Crusade, where the guy drinks for the wrong cup and he starts melting away. That's what hard drugs does to somebody. I've seen it thin her skin until it's as thin as paper. 
lose her hair and her teeth and her mind and destroy our family. And all the while you're pleading, you're like, just please recognize that this is destroying you. And what's interesting about the addict is that they think they're in control. They don't see that they are the slave. Drug, drugs is a great physical representation of what sin does to our souls. We think we are the masters, but we are the slaves. And eventually our passions, our sins will destroy us. Look at what James 1.15 says. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. David Foster Wallace, I'm quoting him twice today, and uh, there's a reason. He's not a Christian. He's a very respected philosopher, uh, fiction writer. Um, I mean, like he was a very respected thinker in the 90s, and he ended up dying. But he got this. He understood this. Not even being a religious person, he understood the way our hearts work. And so here's this quote by David Foster Wallace. If you worship money, you will never have enough. If you worship your body and beauty, you will always feel ugly. If you worship power, you will in the end feel weak and afraid. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid and a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. We need to be set free from the enslaving, reigning, destructive power of sin. And that's what Jesus is talking about in verse 36. And the point here is serving God brings us true freedom. Look at verse 36 again. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the most important part of the sermon. And I want to give I want to I want to uh, engage our imaginations for a minute here. So bear with me if you're not that much of an imaginative person. I want you to imagine yourself a part of a slave gang. A slave gang are people who are chained together by their wrists and the chain runs all along the side of the road and they're chained up together. And then you're just hammering away at the side of the road, working and toiling with no end in sight. And you're in the hot heat of day and all around you are the slave masters cracking their whip at any attempt of you getting a moment of break. And this is your life for as long as you've ever known it and for as long as you'll ever know it. But then down the road, you see a lone figure walking up. And as he gets closer, you realize that it's the prince of the kingdom. And he walks up to the slave master and he says, I'm going to let these people go. I'm going to set them free. And you get your hopes up. But then the slave master says, a life for a life. I can't just let him go. I need a ransom. And your hope starts to dwindle because you realize that the prince came alone. But then the prince says to the slave master, I will step in. I will offer my life up to free these people. And just in that moment, I want you to imagine what it would feel like to have the chains on your wrists fall off and your pale skin feels the cool air for the first time and you are free. You're free to have purpose and meaning in your life. 
You see, if you're asking yourself, you're like, okay, I, I, get, I can see how I might be a slave to sin. I can see how my passions and my desires are maybe robbing me of joy. But how, how can I be set free? Again, this is the most important part of the sermon. You can't do it by yourself. The God himself must set you free. You must see that Jesus's work on the cross is a ransom sacrifice for your life. That's what it means when, when Christians get up on a cross, or when Christians see Jesus on a cross and they worship him as Lord because we recognize that he has given up his life for our life, that he has allowed himself to go up on a cross and experience the torture, the torture of what happened to him up there so that we could be a ransom so that he, excuse me, could be a ransom for our life, so that we would be set free, so that we can experience true joy and true freedom. This is so important. We need to see Jesus as a ransom sacrifice. The cross is not just a symbol of love. It is a literal ransom sacrifice for your souls. Amen? He sets us free. We go from being slaves to children of God. And here's the thing. This is why that's better. Because our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is completely different than our relationship with sin. And that's what verse 35 means. When you first read these verses together, it all makes sense. And then you hit 35 and it's like, what is this? It says this, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. This is what he's getting at here. You see, as a slave, as a slave to your passions and to sin and to desire and to just the worldly life, like you are worthless. You work and you toil and in the end you are destroyed and you die. There is no hope for you. You are worthless. When a slave is used up and cannot be used anymore, they're discarded like dogs. But as children of God, you are not a slave. You are adopted, heirs to his kingdom. You, you feast with the Father in heaven. You dine with him. Like sons and daughters of God are not working for a measly meal, they celebrate their position before their father in heaven. I want you to picture it like this. I love art. Uh, like I, I love looking at Picasso's work and Fiore. Uh, it, it's just, it's amazing to me. But I also love the simple, beautiful art that my children make me. Like there is not, there are a few things in this world that bring me as much joy as when I get home from work and I walk into my room and there's a piece of paper and it's a, it's a crayon drawing of like me and one of my kids holding hands at the park and a little dog Winston's in it. And when I'm done changing, my kids will run to the room and they'll be all excited and they'll sit on my lap and they'll point the things out in the picture to me. And it brings them joy that they made me something. And it brings me joy as their father that they made me something. Do you think that I'm judging that art in the same way that I would judge a Picasso or a Fiore? Like, do you think I'm wondering about color theory or their use of white spacing? Do you think I'm like, why did you choose to use the medium of Crayola to express yourself here? No. No, they're, they're simply expressing their love and their joy. We are just simply being in a relationship as father and son or father and daughter. 
Like there's no proving yourself. There's no working for a measly meal. It's just simply joy and pleasure. And that's what happens when we go from being a slave to our sins to to sons and daughters of a king, of a God, of a father in heaven who loves us unconditionally. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Uh, Sermon prep was really hard for me this week for another number of reasons. The first thing is sermon prep just in general is hard. Like if you ask me to talk for 45 minutes about, you know, the economy or branding and marketing, I can drum that up real quick and we can have a good time. But sermon prep is difficult because these passages, the preacher believes that they have power everlasting power, but also God is using an imperfect man to deliver his perfect word, which sounds really poetic unless you're that man. But the other reason why it was difficult this week is because I was sick. And then on top of that, it took me until about Wednesday or Thursday to realize that my goal in preparing the sermon in my heart and subconscious part of my mind, my focus was that I was hoping you would enjoy this Sunday. I was hoping you would walk away going, man, I'm glad we went to church today. Not because I want you to think I'm impressed. I just wanted you to enjoy your time here. And that was hard. It was enslaving work to prepare a sermon in that kind of a way. And then something happened, one through prayer, but also my son Levi walks downstairs and he's got his headphones on and he hasn't had his headphones on in a really long time. Uh, But he's listening to some music and he's like sitting there rocking out. And I'm like, son, what are you listening to? And he just flashes it over to me and it says, uh, it's a song by a band named Citizens called The Sweetness of Freedom. And I'm not that kind of a guy that like looks in the clouds and is like, the Lord wants me to buy a Honda today. That's not me. But nonetheless, the Lord used this. And here I'm just going to read you a line from that song. Because really the song does in three minutes what I'm trying to do here in 35. Only you have the power to break every chain I placed around my neck. I heard your call from the pit of death to surrender all and nothing less. All my life I lived to follow you alone as you changed my desires. Liberated by the blood of Jesus, I have found life in the sweetness and freedom. Amen. Man, it wasn't until that morning that I stopped caring about you. (laughs) But really, it wasn't until that morning that I realized my, my sermon can be stick figures because it doesn't matter. I'm doing it for my Father in heaven. And if I'm doing what I can to glorify him, if I'm honoring his words, then you can like it or not. But the power is here in his word. See, if you're feeling the weight of sin this morning, If you're feeling the burden of the Orange County rat race of slavery, a slave to money, a slave to work, a slave to pride and anger and jealousy and your reputation, whatever it may be, know this, hear this, hear Jesus saying to you, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And his freedom, being his son and daughter, is so much more enjoyable than being a slave. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And we go from slaves with longing to children who belong 
And what is it about our relationship with Jesus? We are family. The last point I want to make this morning is this. It's, it's about abiding and knowing, which is verses 32 and 33. Because here's the thing. Like the Apostle Paul said, this freedom, this goodness that God is offering us is both here and not yet. Like truly, if you believe, if you are a Christian this morning and you believe that the Son has set you free, then spiritual freedom and joy and purpose and meaning is available for you in your life today. But another hand, in another way, we don't fully realize our freedom until one of two things, well, two things. One, we abide in his word, but also not until the other side of eternity. But here's what he says to us about that. Verses 32 and 33. This is the last part of our sermon this morning. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're going to focus on abiding and, and knowing. He says in order for us to, to, to know spiritual freedom, we have to abide in his word. Here's the thing. If it's true that we've been slaves to our passions our entire life, then it's also true that when we're set free, we don't actually know how to be a free people. That's something the Lord has to teach us. He wants to show us what it means to live full and free, spirit-empowered lives. And he does that through his word. He wants us to abide in his word. He wants to teach us something. And here's the thing, like when we talk about, when people talk about the Bible, they also often think about it as a set of rules, like the do's and don'ts of life. Like it's trying to rob us of our freedom or our joy. And the reality is that couldn't be further from the truth. There is actually nobody more interested in your joy and in your happiness than God. He's more interested in it than you are. And the Bible is not a set of rules of do's and don'ts. It's more of a roadmap to understand the freedom that you have through the blood of Jesus Christ. So when he says, abide in my word, like he's asking you for obedience and obedience leads to freedom, which is kind of weird if you think about it. But truly, like if I am obedient to my health, I have the freedom of being a healthy person, right? And we should think about our, so practically speaking, like we should think about our week. What are we abiding in on a daily basis? If you think about your mind and your heart as a cup, what do you fill it with all throughout the week? And I'm not here to say like we should be recluse monks, that we should get rid of Netflix and ESPN. I've got all those things on my TV and on my phone. I'm going to the Laker game tomorrow. Let's go. Like these things I care about, they're, they're of value. But here's the thing, we have to maybe consider them in moderation because if we are only in abiding in what the world has to offer, then we're going to be enslaved to what the world has to offer. But if we abide in the word of God, then we can find that freedom. So what are you abiding in? What are you filling yourself up with? You, again, just to, to play on that a little bit. Actually, a friend of mine, Thaddeus Williams, I, I was talking to him on Friday. Some of you know him. He's okay. He says this, We are not held captive against our desires, but by our desires. And you think about like the freedom that birds have to fly in the sky. Why is that? Birds are free to play in the sky because they obey 
the laws of aerodynamics. One more example, like I, I love Star Wars. Star Wars, there's droids, right? We all know what droids are. Don't act like you don't love Star Wars. We all love Star Wars. If you don't, you can leave right now. I'm just kidding. Don't leave. Uh, there's an interesting theme in Star Wars, like with the droids. Anytime they have a near-death experience, the droid will say, thank the maker, right? We've all heard them say that before. And often somebody will ask a droid to do something that's against his programming, and the droid will not do it. They'll say, I'm sorry, like my maker or the maker did not, I'm not programmed to do that. And if they did that thing that you're asking him to do against the programming, they would self-destruct, they would get destroyed. If you're feeling the burden of life, is there a chance that you're going against your maker? Is there a chance that you're living out your life without the purpose and meaning that God intended for you to have? Abide in my word. Abiding leads to knowing. This is our last point this morning and we are done. This knowing is not a knowing like an information. It's not like knowing two plus two equals four. This knowing is an experiential knowing. God wants you to know spiritual freedom. And he knows that in order for you to know that you have to abide in his word. It's not enough to know in our minds. We need to, and that's the thing about these verses, that it's not information. Rather, it's something that, we, that God wants us to experience. In the same way that the birds, like I know what it means to fly. I, I can see it, but I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it is like to actually take flight. But that is what God is offering to us. Not just information, but a, a life experience, a knowing, true spiritual freedom. And so if you're, if you're feeling like if you think to yourself, like your time in this life or on social media or whatever is just, is that driving you towards more anxiety, driving you towards just more and more of an enslavement, know that you can know what spiritual freedom looks like today. And the beautiful thing is, like I said before, we go from being a slave to being sons and daughters of a God, a Father in heaven, who knows us and loves us unconditionally. Freedom is not doing what we want to do. It is doing what we were made, meant to do. I'm going to read the verses again, and then we're going to pray. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son and daughters remain forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.